As Christians, we talk a lot about relationships, don't we? We often say Christianity itself is about relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. And often the focus is on certain key relationships like marriage or, or parenting or our relationship with, with coworkers at work. We've probably all read books or maybe been to conferences or seminars or, or certainly heard sermons and sermon illustrations on how to be a good husband or wife, how to be a better parent, how to, how to engage as a Christian in the workplace with those you work with. We make much of our fellowship in the church as brothers and sisters in Christ and the, and the union with and the responsibility that we have to one another in him. And yet one relationship that doesn't really command a lot of shelf space in the, in the Christian bookstores or garner a lot of, of in-depth study from God's word and one that maybe you haven't uh, heard many uh, uh, sermons on is one that impacts the life of every single person, and that is friendship. How many of you have actually read a book on friendship? Maybe some. There are a few out there. Not many. How many of you have been to a Bible study or, or sat down to study in God's Word that, that subject of friendship? And certainly, you probably haven't heard a lot of sermons. If you've been coming here, you probably haven't heard a lot of sermons just on friendship. But you're going to hear one today. Some of our greatest joys in life are with people that we consider friends, and some of our greatest sorrows and burdens can come when we don't have many friends. Kevin DeYoung says, almost anything bad can be sweet with friends, and almost anything good can be terrible without them. We all desire, we all need, we all want friends. Facebook capitalized on this truth when it labeled its connecting feature between people on its, uh, on its uh, uh, social site as friends. And people began to, to collect friends and measure their popularity and in many cases to build their identity around how many uh, social media friends they have. But we all know that the, the Facebooking of friendship, while giving us opportunity to connect with people and stay in touch with, with larger numbers of people, does not make for close, caring connections that come in deep, true friendships. Social media may create many connections and acquaintances, but it cannot create or give us good friends. Friendship has been defined in many ways, oftentimes depending on what we're talking about. I read a couple of definitions. One said a person who has a strong liking for and a trust in another person. That's a, a good definition of friendship. One said a person who can tell you you're stupid without making you feel stupid. Urban Dictionary. One said simply this broad definition, a, a person who is not hostile or an enemy in life. So whoever is not your enemy is your friend. Maybe a more modern definition, a person whose house or apartment you go in and your phone connects to Wi-Fi automatically. <laughs> we have all seen all kinds of friendships portrayed in sitcoms and movies. It may be hard to define what a true, define what a true friend is, but we know the blessing when we have one. And we know the, the loneliness and the emptiness that can come when we don't. And the reason is, we were born for friendships. We were born for friendships. 
Not just relationships, but for true friendships. You can have a relationship with all kinds of people, but true friendships are much, much harder to come by. And perhaps the definition of a friend that's given to us in Proverbs 17, 17 is the most succinct and all-encompassing one of what it means to be a true friend. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. True friendship is grounded in love. It's grounded in love. A love that's not conditioned on circumstances. It's not conditioned on on giving or receiving some benefit. But a love that is constant. A love that is always there no matter what. A friend is always there when you need them. Especially in adversity, especially in difficult times. And so today I want to look at what, what God has to say about what it means to have and to be true friends. We're going to look uh, at just a few of these passages that Proverbs uh, has that point us to the necessity of true friends, the choice of true friends, and the mark of true friends. And then I want to close by, by again pointing us to the one who personifies true friendship and in whom we have the greatest friend, and that is Jesus Christ. It's likely that most of us here this morning have had the experience of having and maybe even losing a friend. Most of us have probably had times in our lives where we've been pretty close to someone and invested and shared our lives with them and had them invest and share their lives with us and then uh, and looked at this person as a good and trusted friend only to maybe have something happen that has, that has then weakened that relationship in some way. Maybe it was just we grew up and moved away and, and distance created uh, you know, a, a gap in that friendship. Maybe the life circumstances changed and as a result our, our friendships change. Maybe you've been betrayed or hurt or rejected by a friend in some way and that has caused you to to become suspicious or even uh, cautious about entering into close friendships. Some might even think of friends as really unnecessary, kind of like, who needs friends? I don't need them. I'm doing fine on my own. But the reality is that we all need friends. We all need friends. The necessity of friendship is part of our nature as, as spiritual beings created in the image of God. Friendship is rooted in the triune nature of God, our creator, and therefore rooted in us as those created in his image. God in his, in his Trinitarian makeup as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is relational in nature. And he himself embodies true friendship in the relationship of the Trinity. And when he created Adam, when he created man, that relational nature of God as our creator was, was seen in the fact that when God created Adam in Genesis 2.18, he said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. We need companionship. We need relationship. And not just any relationship. And God's immediate answer to that for Adam was to create Eve, the woman, and to unite them as one in marriage. And one element, of course, of, of, of covenant marriage, of any strong relationship between a husband and wife is an element of intimate friendship. <laughs> there's, a, there's a friendship nature in our relationships as spouses. But that need is not only fulfilled in the marriage relationship or even necessarily in family relationships. 
Proverbs 18, 24 says, uh, a man, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many uh, companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In other words, we can have all kinds of, of relationships, all kinds of acquaintances, but sometimes there are those special friendships, those special relationships that are often even stronger than even family relationships. And if you think about it, most of our relationships are born out of some kind of obligation, aren't they? You don't choose your family. You don't choose the family that you're born into. And regardless of how much you like one another and love one another within your family, family members are sort of obligated to one another, aren't they? If you need help, Family is the kind of, of default place to turn for help, especially in the ancient culture of, of, of Proverbs and of Jesus' day where family ties were so important. There's a relationship we have with our, with our coworkers, those we, we may work with that is born out of a certain professional or, or vocational obligation to one another. We do certain things because we work together. We, we're obligated in that way. There's a relationship with our neighbors that has kind of a civic obligation to one another. We live in community. We need to act in certain ways towards one another. And that doesn't mean that family members or co-workers or neighbors cannot be friends. In fact, most of them can be and in many cases are. But true friendship is not born, so to speak, of any kind of obligation. You don't necessarily choose your family. You don't always choose your co-workers or your neighbors. But you do choose your friends, and they choose you. And so friendship is a voluntary relationship that is entered into, and it is, it is the mutually agreeable coming together of two people, which makes it in some ways an utterly unique relationship. And because it is such a unique relationship, and because of its voluntary nature, it's often viewed in society as somewhat secondary or somewhat unnecessary. If it's my choice, then I, I can choose to have them or, or not have them. But Proverbs repeatedly speaks of the necessity of friends to living a wise and godly life. Not having a friend not choose, or choosing the wrong types of friends puts a man or a woman in the path of foolishness and destruction. Whereas true friends are key to walking in the way of wisdom. Solomon, who also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, as well as many of the Proverbs we've read, reminds us there in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. Why? Because they can help each other. They can care for each other. They can defend each other. And he says in Ecclesiastes 4.10, Woe to him who is alone. We need true friends. They are, they are essential to our God-given need for community, and they are important to our being able to, to uh, not just survive, but to thrive in our lives together and to live that life wisely. Unfortunately, friends are not as easy to come by. So how do we, how do we go about choosing our friends? What does Proverbs have to say about the, the friends we choose and the friends we keep company with? And, and as we hear these things, I want to encourage us we can't always control what other people do, but hear this also as a way of how am I being a good friend to others? How do I embody these things that Proverbs says about friendship? The choice of true friendships, we need to choose wisely. 
And, and in reality, we, we often don't really choose our friends. We usually find them or discovering them, discover them. By that, I mean, if you're out there going to someone and you say, I've got to go out and I've got to choose some friends. And you go up to someone and say, hey, I want to be your friend. And they say, why? And you say, because I need a friend. It's probably not going to happen. Usually we discover them as we have some, something in common, something that brings us together, something that, that, uh, uh, that we have that, that we both feel like is important or we value. True friendship is based on something more, some common goal or interest or love. And usually the foundation of a friendship is found or discovered when you come across someone who has something in common with you, maybe a common interest, Maybe a common personality trait. It may be a common experience that you've had. It may be a common belief or value that you hold as we do in the, in the church. But usually you discover another person who thinks or acts or loves something in the same way you do. And there's a, there's a bond there. And that's usually, usually, not always, but that's usually how a friendship begins. But it can't stop there. It doesn't stop there. We then, have to, we then have to choose to cultivate, to build, to enter into that friendship and allow those people to enter into our lives. And in that sense, we do choose who to be friends with. Proverbs tells us that our friendships will have profound impact on us and us as well on others. And so we're to choose wisely. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, friendships are not neutral. People we hang out with rub off on us, and we rub off on them. If you're hanging out with folks who are doing things that get you into trouble, chances are you're going to get into trouble. If you're hanging out with people who are responsible, making wise choices, chances are you're going to become more responsible and make wise choices. That's why early on in Proverbs, the father is constantly warning his son to, to watch out for the enticement of those who do evil. Look out for who you, you hang out with. Don't walk in their paths. Don't follow in the, the ways of those who do evil. Young people, this is one of the reasons your parents are concerned about the friends you hang out with. And this is something to be aware of in terms of negative, what we might call negative peer pressure. Those friends who would encourage you to do or act or be something you know you shouldn't. I remember in, in ninth grade, I went to a new high school and, and I was kind of new. We had just moved back to the area and I, I got to this high school and I made the baseball team, which I thought was a great big deal. And I got there and there were some guys on the baseball team who were not good influences. Let me just put it that way. And I immediately... Because here I was, freshman on the baseball team, I wanted to impress people, I wanted to be, you know, you know. so I immediately started hanging out with these guys. And we came back from a, a, a baseball game one night, it was late, we got off the bus and, and you know, everybody's kind of hanging around afterwards and, and suddenly some angry words started to be exchanged between two groups of people. And, and the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of this big fight going on after the, after the baseball game. And the next morning, I get called into the principal's office. My first expulsion from, not expulsion, suspension from school as a freshman. But I learned a lesson. Because the first thing my dad came and said to me was, who are you hanging out with? Who else was involved? And it wasn't just their fault. I was in there with them. But, but, but it's a good example of how who we hang out with impacts the way we are. There is some truth to that concern we have for those we hang out. So how do we choose friends wisely? Well, first, Proverbs says, character counts. True friendships start 
with common bond, and there are lots of people out there with whom we have something in common, that's a foundation. But if the relationship simply stays there without taking into account other elements of a person's character, then it will be hard to find good friendships. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four, for instance, says, watch out for friendships with those who are hot-headed or vengeful. Make no friendship with a man given to anger nor with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways. That was, the exa- that was what I learned that night as we got off the bus. As a, as a coach, I've, I have witnessed uh, players and parents who when something doesn't go right in a game, they just lose it. They blow their top and it impacts everybody else there. It impacts the other players. It impacts the other parents. So Proverbs 2019 True friends will face adversity and you don't want someone who's going to blow their top when things don't go their way. And then Proverbs 2019 warns against friendships with people who talk too much. We saw last week the value of words and the importance of words and the significant impact they can have. And, and, and Proverbs 2019 says, particularly about gossip or people talking behind backs, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A modern equivalent to that is loose lips sink ships or sink friendships, we might say. As we'll see, true friends often overlook an offense out of love, but watch out for one who who keeps circling around and bringing up things over and over again or who keeps uh, renewing, holding on to grudges Here is why sites on social media, here's where they reveal that our friends are not always our friends, right? The person who is constantly posting things on their wall about others or or airing their grievances about the way things are going or how others have treated them or just simply revealing every detail of, of their life and relationships is likely going to say things that ultimately harm rather than help others. Likewise, other character issues such as, such as lying or laziness or flattery are all, all dangerous warning signs we need to take note of in our close friendships and in our own life as we seek to make friends. Now, that doesn't mean we'll have perfect friends, nor will we be perfect friends. We all have our faults, and as was mentioned, true friends will at times, oftentimes, overlook an offense in love. However, when choosing to, who to forge or cultivate close friendships and relationships with, we need to take into account a person's character. Best friends, and that's why oftentimes our best friends will likely be other believers because we share that common desire, that common uh, guide with God's word. Now, not only does character count, but Proverbs tells us to also check motives. There are what we might call fake friends. These are people who are interested in friendships simply because of what we can give to them or what they can offer to us. And we need to be careful again of our own uh, friendships, our own, our own offering friendship in this way. Proverbs 19, 4 and 6 says, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Now, Part of this is just, this is a truism. This is just one of those general truths about life. We like to hang out with people who aren't needy, who have stuff that they can offer to us, who are wealthy. We don't like to hang out with people who are needy, who don't have anything to offer with us, 
who maybe we would term as poor. So there's just a sense of this is just a general truth about life in a fallen world. But what is portrayed here is also friendship that is for sale. If you don't believe this, try winning the lottery and see how many friends you have all of a sudden. And let's be honest with ourselves as well. Many of us have had the experience of meeting a, a wealthy guy who has a, a large house or a nice vacation home or a big car or a, a, a game room and a home theater. And we thought to ourselves, I need to get to know that guy. <laughs> I want to be his friend. Why? So I can benefit from the things that he has. We're not interested in true friendship necessarily, but in getting access to his stuff. True friends are not friends simply because of what they can get from or bring to a relationship. And that's why Proverbs has a lot to say about the the danger of money with regard to friendships. Don't lend money to your friends. Don't enter into partnerships with friends that that can can suddenly break up and, and, and cause hurt in those friendships. Now, that's not a a hard, fast rule, but it's, it's a, a general principle there. But it's not just money. It may be that there are certain needs people feel that, that can only be met in a friendship. And so the motivation for a friendship is based on just, just getting their, their needs met through another person. This is what we might call consumer friendships. Proverbs twenty five seventeen says, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you. And hate you. <laughs> the picture here is one of, is not that we should never go over and hang out at our, our friend's house, but the picture here is of one who is overly demanding, who is constantly needy, who is always there hanging around. Uh, and it doesn't have to be just our, our home nowadays. It can be one who is constantly calling or emailing or texting about everything. One who constantly feels the need to be around for some reason or another and this begins to wear out their welcome. When it's choosing and cultivating friendships, it's important to recognize boundaries and motives and realize that true friends can't meet every need we have, nor can we meet their need, the need of every friend we have. And the point is that we need to look for more than simply what we have in common when we begin to choose and cultivate friendships. Now, granted, there are different levels of what we might call friendships. There are buddies that we might enjoy particular activities with or or experiences with. Some people are just our our golfing buddy or our book club member. Or there is a level of friendship that's just just with neighbors and based on a common interest that doesn't rise to some of the considerations we're talking about here. We We have companions. We have acquaintance. We have people we see or do regularly, things regularly with I'm not saying we should not love and care about and minister to those other relationships and be friends in those situations. But true deep friendships rise to another level which demand more consideration and which leads to the third point and that is what is the mark of true friendships? What is the mark of true friends? Again, Proverbs 17, 7 says, A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. A friend loves. What, it, what, it, what is the basis for friendship is love. When do we love at all times? Why do we love and how do we love in the midst of, of adversity? And Proverbs 27, 17 gives what I think is a vivid picture of true friendship. And because it's directed towards men, it is often used in promoting male friendships. But the principle here is, is really true of any deep friendships. 
As iron sharpens iron, so we might say one friend sharpens another. One person that we're, we're deeply connected to sharpens another. True friends are those who keep each other sharp. And, and the picture here is of a, of a sharpening of, a, of an iron blade by honing it against another piece of equally hard iron. And this is just a picture of the fact that there is a sanctifying, a sanctifying element to true friendships. And I believe it's a great picture of, that points us to several of the marks or characters of true friends. Let me run through those real quickly. First, there's connection. Iron cannot sharpen iron unless it comes in contact with together. And true friends are those who are connected with. They are there for one another. They have a presence in each other's life. Not necessarily just physically, but it has to at least be partly present there. They are aware of who we are. They are aware of how we're wired. They are aware of what's going on in our lives and vice versa. A true friend is someone you can trust to share in both the joys and the struggles of life. They will be there for you. When you're going through a struggle, they aren't just going to post on your wall that they are, 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 are praying for you. They're going to call. They're going to come over. They're going to share in that struggle with you. And vice versa, a true friend is someone when we see, hey, they're going through a difficult time, we're going to reach out to them. We're going to try to be there for them. Proverbs 27.10 says, better a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Again, this is not saying we shouldn't go to family for help or we shouldn't uh, uh, you know, seek to get our brother's help in difficult times. But friendship involves being there. And the idea here is, Sometimes we go to family who live way far away across the country before we would call our good friend who lives next door. Friendship involves being there. And the mark of a true friend is that they are connected to what is going on with each other. They are faithful to be there for each other. So there's connection. A second mark is true friends are caring. The per per purpose of, of bringing iron on iron is to sharpen, to help, help make that blade better equipped for what it was designed to do. And in order to do that, a certain care must be taken in the process. You don't just <laughs> sharpen it off. Sometimes you, you get the hard stuff off and then you start going easy and you take it easy and you, you hone it in. A true friend genuinely cares about you and what is best for you and they know you in such a way that they can bring just the right response, just the right, uh, 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 what is needed in a particular situation. Proverbs 25, 20 says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. One picture there is just, when somebody's going through a hard time, they don't need us to come in there and start singing happy songs just to try and cheer them up. <laughs> Sometimes that can be the, the worst thing that we do. A true friend does not come into a difficult situation and just try to cheer you up or fix the situation. They're willing to bear the burden with you. They're willing to wrap their arms around you in compassion. True friends are willing to weep with one another in the hard things, to walk with one another through the trials. A true friend knows and understands us well enough to know when we need someone just to listen <laughs> and when we need someone to step in and say something. A true friend is someone you can open, open up to and be transparent with in all areas of your life because you know they genuinely care. They care about you. And they won't, they're not going to use information that you share with them to harm but to help you. 
And so a true friend means, true friendships mean connection, they mean caring. And a third mark of true friendship is candidness. This goes along with that idea of caring. In order for iron to sharpen iron, there has to be friction in that relationship. Two pieces rubbing against each other and smoothing off the rough places. And a true friend is not hesitant to be candid with us, to confront us with what, with our sin. When we see a friend dealing with an issue of sin and making a decision that we feel is unwise, a true friend steps in and says something. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I remember a true friend coming in at one point. I was, we were meeting in a group of people and, and I said something in the meeting and afterwards this guy came up to me and he says, you know, I think what you said in that, in that meeting uh, could have hurt somebody's feelings. In fact, I think it might have hurt this person's feeling and I, was, I didn't kind of understand and he explained it to me and as I thought about it, I thought, you could be right. And so I had to go to that person and, and find out and indeed what I had said had hurt their feelings. And so a true friend is willing to come and say, you know, I see something in you that you might not be able to see yourself, but because I love you, I'm going to share it with you. So there's a candidness in a, a willingness to confront us with hard truth when necessary. And then a fourth mark of true friend is counsel. Proverbs 27, 9 says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. A true friend is someone you can look to and can trust their advice and their wisdom. We all need someone we can go to when we have a hard decision to make or a hard question to answer or something we just need to get somebody else's opinion. And a true friend is someone you know is going to give you wise, godly, true counsel. When you have a big decision to make, when you're in a situation where you're not exactly sure what to do, who do you go to? Who do you call? It may be your spouse, maybe someone in your family, but likely you're calling to them because you know you're going to get wise counsel. And a friend is someone that will give us wise counsel. And such friendships indeed bring a sweetness to our lives. Well, those are some of what Proverbs says about the necessity, the choice, and the marks of true friendship. Now, if you're like me, you hear this or you study this and you, you, you put this together and you come to the realization that number one, such true friendships are not all that common. <laughs> you can't have that kind of friendship with a lot of people. In fact, if you've had more than one or two real true friends like this, then you're probably pretty fortunate. But secondly, if you're like me, you hear this and you are convicted in reality that I'm not a very good friend <laughs> to some people. Well, thankfully, we're not left to ourselves to be and to build true friendships. One of the best focus we can have in seeking to be the kind of friend that we want, uh, that, that we desire to be, is to be that kind of friend to one another and to know that kind of friendship. And Jesus recognized the necessity of friendship. He came to be a friend to those who are in desperate need of true friendship. God as we said, we were made for friendship, and that was first and foremost in our friendship with God. He wants us to know, not, not just to know about him, but to know him. And he created us to walk with him. And when we betray that friendship, that relationship is broken. And Jesus comes not just to rescue us as our savior, not just to, to rule over us as our king, but he comes 
to call us friends, to restore that intimate relationship with the God who created us. And this is an amazing thing about the passage we read earlier in John 15. Jesus is with those he's chosen to be close to, to be with him, to reveal himself to. He's with his friends. And on the last night of his his life on earth, when he needed them the most, what do we find them doing? They're arguing about who is the greatest, who's his best friend. (laughs) They're refusing to to serve one another and enter into something that they feel like is below them. They're questioning one another about who's going to actually be the loyalist one to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? We're told he loves them and he loves them to the end. And then he shares with them the nature of that love and he says to them, greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends and I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm gonna show you the love of friendship. And he says that that love is is an open, transparent love. A a servant doesn't know all that his master is doing, but, but I have come to reveal to you everything that the father has said to me. Jesus's friendship is that we might know God and we might know him and and what he has for us a friend loves at all times even when it costs him dearly and yet Jesus's friendship is not that of equals there is a a level of sharpening in Christ's friendship that that calls us to account that demands our trust and obedience for some friendship with Jesus seems to diminish his glory, to somehow take away from his authority over us as king. But the beautiful thing is we don't have to choose between the two. We don't have to choose between the two. Jesus is our exalted king and he is our truest friend. And that doesn't diminish his glory, it actually magnifies it because it displays the immeasurable riches of his grace. Only grace Only grace can explain the righteous king welcoming and befriending sinners like you and me. And so Jesus both models true friendship and that he he chooses us. We don't choose him, he chooses us. Not because of anything we offer him, not because he needs anything, but simply because he loves us. And he knows better than anyone, he knows us better than anyone, and he opens himself up to us. He spends time with us and desires us to spend time with him. And again, he empowers us with that love to share it with others. He calls us to obey his command, which is ultimately to love others as he has loved us. And that truly is the measure of a true friend. We prove our friendship with Jesus when we listen to and heed his counsel, which is sweet. When we obey his commands, and that command is simplest to understand, but the hardest to live out. (laughs) And that's to love as he's loved us. So how can we respond to all this? Well, let me just start by encouraging you to consider your friendship with Jesus. How he is the greatest friend of sinners. And he is your truest friend. You may be here today and feel like, I don't have a friend in the world. That's not true. Because if you know Jesus, you have the greatest friend you could ever have. And that is a friendship with God, your creator, and your father who knows you. And he will empower you to enter into relationships in such a way that you can love as he has loved you. And that's the second thing for us to consider. 
Cultivate, our relationship, cultivate your relationship with him. Friendships thrive on connection. They thrive on caring. They thrive on conversation. As we read and receive and remember God's word, we are, we are hearing from a friend. <laughs> he has what is best in our best interest. And when we pray, when we give thanks, when we confess sin, when we share our hearts, when we seek wisdom, Jesus is listening. And he says to his, his disciples, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will hear because you are friends. And lastly, confirm your friendship with him through obedience to be a friend to others in the same way. How can you be a friend to others? Think in your mind right now, make a little list. What are some ways with the people that I'm already friends with, but I'm not necessarily connected I'm not necessarily truly caring I'm not necessarily uh, uh, um, entering into those hard places in that relationship and then seek to be a friend to others with that same love that Christ has befriended you I heard a quote that said you can make more friendships in two months by taking an interest in others than you can make in two years by trying to get others interested in you Jesus took an interest in others. He took an interest in you. He made you his friend. Who can you go out and make your friend and take an interest in them? And then God will bless you with a friendship that looks like Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this call. It's a hard call. We confess, I confess, that I am not a friend who loves at all times. And I am not a friend who always sticks closer than a brother. But Father, we thank you that you are. I thank you that you, your love never is based on what you need from us. It's never based on what you can give to us. It's based simply on your grace that you want to be with us and you want to know us and you want us to know you and you want us to live the life that we were designed to live walking in friendship with you and with one another. Lord, do that. If there's anyone here who does not know you as their savior and their friend, oh Lord, would you open their eyes to see your love for them on the cross. And for those of us who do know that love, Lord, Empower us, encourage us to be those kind of friends to others. First and foremost in the body of Christ, Lord, may anybody who walks in these doors see that this is a community of friends who love one another. But then even to those who need a friend, would you do this for your glory and for our good? And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.